folks, this is John Bring, the host of Here's Why It's Great. Uh, thanks for coming back. It's been a little bit of time, a little quick eight-month hiatus for no particular reason. We always wanted to keep going on the podcast, but uh, life got in the way, as it tends to do. And uh, so we did take a little bit of time off, but I am happy to say that I'm coming back to this thing. And what better timing? Because I've got to address the elephant in the room. Obviously, we are all living through the COVID-19 pandemic right now. Uh, We are all stuck in our homes. We are all social distancing. The news cycle is just dire out there. Things are not great. So what better time to bring this podcast back, to bring a little bit of light, a little bit of happiness, and a little bit of joy back in the world, and tell you why things are great in a time where it's really hard to see that in everyday life. So I'm back I'm going to try to bring back some old friends of the show, uh, possibly some new friends if I can dig them up. I'd like to get Seb back on here for some episodes. I think my wife, Lindsay, is going to be joining me for much of it because she is stuck with me in our apartment and she has no choice but to join me on this journey. So we've got a few episodes in mind and we are really looking forward to showing you why some things are great. So thank you again for coming back. Perhaps you noticed that we were gone. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you were clamoring for it, but... Um, (laughs) we're happy to be back now and, uh, bringing a little bit of light back into the world. So thanks again for listening and on with the show. Heads up. This episode, John and Lindsay feel the magique of angry French toddlers, legitimately terrifying skeletons, and midday pukes as we go across the pond on Here's Why It's Great. Bonjour! It is I, Jean Bring, the one, the one to break the spell. And joining me on this episode is... Hello! Je m'appelle Lindsay Bring. Come see, come ça. Est-ce que je peux aller à la toilette, s'il vous plaît? I heard toilette in there, so obviously you're asking to go to the bathroom? Yeah, that about covers all that I remember from French in high school. <laughs> Omelette du fromage. Something oh. I learned from Dexter's Laboratory back yeah. in the mid-90s. Uh, il fait... Showed? I think that it's hot. Well, LMZ to the real show. This is <laughs> this is here's why it's great, and we are talking about a subject nearish and dearish to our hearts. We are talking about Disneyland Paris, formerly known as Euro Disney. Euro trash. <laughs> oh, don't get started with that. <laughs> On our Christmas vacation, we went to Europe for the very first time, getting out of the continental well not even the continental united states we got out of north america for the first time we've taken uh north america by storm we've gone to canada we've gone to mexico we've We've gone back to canada we've gone back to canada and now we finally got a chance over this christmas break to go to london and paris and i being the disney freak that obviously everybody who listens to the show probably knows that i am forced Lindsay to go to disneyland paris to devote a day of our very short paris leg of our trip to this theme park that has an awful reputation mm-hmm. and uh fortunately i have a great lovely um wife <laughs> and she decided to let that happen that is an accurate description <laughs> you forced me to do something that i decided to let uh let happen and yeah. to be perfectly honest I mean, I was in love. I am obsessed with Paris. It's the best city I've ever been to in my life. 
I cried at one point because we rounded a corner and I saw the Eiffel Tower in the background and like the Arc de Triomphe in the in the distance and it was just so Parisian the whole thing all the architecture that I started crying I'm like oh my god I'm in Paris <laughs> you're like this is just like Ratatouille and then the second time I cried was when I bit into a baguette oh sandwich god. at the Louvre and it was the best damn thing I have ever tasted we should actually do a podcast on why that sandwich at the museum gift shop was great because it is I think maybe one of the best things I've ever eaten okay we went to the Louvre, and we didn't have any time to get breakfast that morning. We had gotten to Paris the night before. We stayed up kind of late, and uh, we're just dragging in the morning. Lindsay was unfortunately starting to get a little sick, so we had to skip getting breakfast. So we just wanted a little nibble on something before we went inside the Louvre, which obviously is like a day and a half just by itself. And so we went to the cafe there and thought, oh, you know, it's going to be museum food, whatever. But holy shit. Oh my god. We just got a simple, like, what was it? Uh, baguette du jambon? Yeah, it was like a jambon et fromage. Uh, <laughs> it was just a baguette with ham and cheese in it. And we. And butter. Can't and forget but- about that. And butter. butter. I, yeah, who would have thought? Uh, and then I think we got. Oh, oh, we also got something that you became oh obsessed god. with a high that you uh. have been chasing ever since. Was it? Uh, it was a uh, escargot du raisin. Yeah. So it was basically just a cinnamon roll. Right. And it was the best motherfucking thing I've ever had in my <laughs> mouth. Oh, my God. It was so good. And this is like museum food. And honestly, yeah. this is some of our first food we had had at all in Paris. So it set the bar ultra high, and the bar would only go up from there because everything we ate in Paris was just scrum diddly It was amazing. Um, and the day at the Louvre was amazing. Oh, yeah, it was great. But that was the day before. The whole day at the Louvre, I was having a great time. Lindsay wasn't feeling well, but we took tons of pictures. We saw the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. We saw the Venus de Milo. We saw so many amazing things there. Uh, we ended up actually going back to our hotel a little early so Lindsay could get some rest because we had a big Disney day the next day. And we were very excited. That- Slash, I was very excited. <laughs> That's right. We had a four-day trip to Paris, and we dedicated one of the full days, 25% of the trip, if you're a mathematician, uh, to Disneyland Paris. You know, you're you're putting some stank on it, but I think that uh, giving, uh, being that I am the Disney freak that I am, and obviously, just to back up a little bit, everybody who listened to the show should know, I fucking love disney it's in my blood i grew up in south georgia so a stone's throw away from orlando and many of my most cherished childhood memories take place at the disney world resort i uh, have been an annual pass holder at disneyland of the 13 years 14 years that i've lived out here i don't know probably at least five six of those years even years where i really could not afford it i was an annual pass holder at disneyland it's my favorite place. No, look, I, for listeners who don't know, uh, our friends know, I too love Disneyland. I uh, did not grow up with it the same way that you did with your family vacations. Um, I went to Disney World for the first time when I was 18 for grad night, but I had a great time. And then really all my memories are of, of Disney are Disneyland from uh, when you and I were doing long distance and I was mm-hmm. in Georgia and I flew here. We went to Disneyland for the first time and I fell in love with it. 
and I too have been a, a Disneyland season pass holder with you. I have canceled gym memberships in the past <laughs> in favor of a Disney annual membership because you know it's Hell a lot of yeah. walking. Hell yeah, that's exactly what we should do every time. For sure, I would cancel like eating some mm. weeks if it meant I could go to Disneyland more. Well, yeah, if it meant I could eat double at the Disneyland park. Hey. Uh so we if if we were this close to Disneyland Paris, I wasn't going to be able to go all that way and not go to the parks for at least a day. And I honestly I was feeling that like one day wasn't going to be enough. Turns out I was kind of right. You were a thousand percent right. Um but we uh but yeah, I did convince Lindsay to go. The circumstances of us getting to and from were not great because uh Disneyland uh Paris is about I don't know, about a 45 minute drive outside of Paris proper. And usually there's a train that goes directly there and back again. Uh, The metro system apparently in Paris is great. However, during our visit, there was a strike. Again, we are not uh, international travels. We're pretty poorly traveled people. That's something that we want to work on and hope that in a post-pandemic world we will be able to travel internationally again and Sigh. see other people and see other cultures because I think travel is extremely important. But now talking to people who have frequented Paris, um, who are from Paris, uh, they say, oh yeah, Paris goes on strike a lot. <laughs> so the train system, uh, the trains were on strike. Yeah, the uh, the whole metro was on strike And uh, that actually extended inside the Disneyland Park because obviously most Disneyland Parks have a train that drives around the park. That's a big attraction. Certainly it is here in Disneyland because there's like the dioramas of dinosaurs and uh, dioramas of the Grand Canyon. It's one of my favorite attractions in the park is just the relaxing train ride around the park. Even that was closed down. So. Disney Express train was closed down. Which which is is ridiculous. So sad. So we had a tough time getting there. Oh, actually, getting there wasn't that big of a problem. We were in Paris. We were able to get an Uber pretty easily. So we just, like, took the Uber there. It was expensive as hell. Like, I think had we been able to take the train, it would have been, like, 14 bucks a person for the whole day. Uh, So it was, like, 65, 75 euro, which is quite a bit to get there Mm -hmm. um, and back. But, um... You know what? Hell, we were so excited to get there. Like, I think that when we got there, the look on my face finally made it worth it to you. For sure. Uh, You were so excited. (laughs) And I was excited that you were excited. And I also wanted to experience it. You and I had watched um, the Imagineering story on Disneyland Plus beforehand. And uh, it was touted as, uh, you know, the world's most beautiful theme park. And... Uh, you know, we're both into theme parks as a whole, and I know a thing or two about beautiful theme parks. I mean, I, I once worked at Wild Adventures in Valdosta, and I've been to Six Flags Over Georgia, so I was suspect that this was going to be more beautiful than either well, of those. Well, Wild Adventures, <laughs> that's a high bar. That's a high beauty bar. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, Wild Adventures is sort of like a Bush Gardens-y like, zoo slash theme park, and it sucks. I worked there uh, for multiple summers as a professional 
improviser at a theme park on the Georgia Florida border. <laughs> You've literally explained to me like a hundred times what the thing that you guys did was because like it was you and a bunch of other people we went to college with. Yeah. Shout out Tommy Venuti. What's up, Tommy? But you guys, you've explained it to me so many times before, and I still don't understand. It was like some sort of VR-ish yeah, thing. They said it was a virtual reality. It's so ridiculous that we're even describing this. But there was an interactive game where you got a bunch of knuckleheads to pay money <laughs> to sit. In oh no, you had to pay to do it. Yeah. I oh think my god. So. I think because, like, honestly, we got paid very well to do this. I remember it was like fifteen bucks an hour. No, well, not that well. Oh, okay. It's not California. We got paid. I, I, my memory is. 12 dollars an hour which still that was like double what minimum wage was a at the time thousand oh probably more it was very good pay for us college kids and uh essentially there was this game where a bunch of doofuses sat in a chair paid money uh they had like headphones on they could see something on a screen virtual reality like but really i don't think it wasn't true virtual reality if we're completely honest and then uh myself and possibly tommy venuti or our friend andy wood would just like lead them through it but you know what it well you know what i would liken it to i'd liken it to being a tour guide oh. um like the like a universal tour guide where when you go on the tours i know we're very familiar because your cousin was once a tour guide we have friends who are tour guides and we've been on those tours many times but i would liken it to that where basically you're leading someone through this experience and you're sort of improvising along the way halfway sticking to a script We've dedicated too much time. It really seems like uh, there was no need to get a bunch of college kids with <laughs> some vague uh, experience uh, as improvisers uh, to do that. It seems yes. like anybody could probably do that. No, yes, no. yes, and yes, and there's a waterfall. Watch out so you don't get wet. You know, I'm closing my eyes, and that's really like selling the experience. Shoot, How much was shoot. it? Fifteen bucks. <laughs> I paid that. Uh, and I was like four hundred dollars. Holy shit! A second, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, a second! Oh yeah. my god! It was um, very worth it if you had me as a guide. Well, before we go back to Disneyland Paris and walk through those beautiful gates, let's just get a little bit of background of why we're doing this. Uh, what is the deal with Disneyland Paris? Uh, it actually opened as Euro Disney on April 12th, 1992. Uh, the project was spearheaded by uh, the head honcho at Disney at the time, Michael Eisner, who was a, uh, as a young John Bring, I was very uh, into this man because he was the guy who was spearheading all these excellent attractions at Disney. Uh, he came in in the early 80s as the CEO, and he's responsible for Star Tours, for Captain EO, for Big Thunder Mountain. Obviously, like, so many huge attractions uh, that you can't even really list them all. Uh, also part of the, many of those attractions, namely Star Tours and Splash Mountain, was one man, an Imagineer named Tony Baxter, who we'll talk about later. Uh, he was uh, the, the main creative visionary behind Disneyland Paris. Uh, they were jumping off of the success of the early 80s, where they expanded internationally for the first time to Tokyo Disneyland, a place that we're hopefully going to go to at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, speaking of, we had such an amazing time traveling uh, for Christmas over the holidays that we went ahead a few months ago and booked flights to Tokyo. <laughs> so we're uh, we're hopeful that maybe we'll be able to make that trip happen yeah. and go to Tokyo Disney and make John's other wildest dream come yeah. true. Yeah, wish us luck, folks. But in a further expansion of the Disney properties, they wanted to do Europe. They battled around a bunch of different options, uh, between Britain, Spain, Italy, France, and ultimately chose uh, 45 minutes outside of Paris, as I mentioned before, a little town uh, close to Marny Avaye. I bet that's how you that, say it. That's definitely, it rolls off the tongue, Marny Avaye. 
Marnay of oh. Valet. God, everything in French just sounds so much classier. I know, especially coming out of my mouth. I am yeah. great. Oui, oui. I <laughs> Bonjour. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so they created this new park, this new idea. They wanted to create a, a what is called a castle park, which is obviously like Disneyland, like the Magic Kingdom in Florida, and like uh, Tokyo Disneyland. And they set out to make a beautiful, extravagant park. However, the way they went about it did not sit well with the French people. The Imaginary Story, which we just rewatched, actually said that one of the executives said something a little braggadocious, that they were building something immortal here, something like the pharaohs building the pyramids. And uh, Calm down, yeah. Disney. And the French people did not take kindly to that. They went so far as to throw eggs and flour <laughs> <laughs> at Michael Eisner on opening day. Ooh, correct? he could bake a cake. Ooh, he, I hope he can find yeast in the grocery store. <laughs> we can't right now. So, yeah, they were throwing things at Michael Eisner. They were really, I mean, people protested. They did not want this to happen. A lot of uh, French critics called it a cultural Chernobyl. Oh, my God. Which, ouch. That's pretty intense. Wait, do they mean that it was going to be like an Emmy Award winning park? You know what? Yeah, actually, I think that's what it was. <laughs> Created by Craig Mazin. Craig Mazin Emmy of and, the well, Script Notes podcast. Yeah, and of the Hangover movies. Correct. For some reason. Yeah, so th- this park did not go over well. The wow. first couple of years, it really struggled. After a couple of years, it almost actually went into bankruptcy. It was Me basically... Too. Uh, you want to talk about egg on the face. It was egg on the face of the <laughs> Disney Corporation, of Michael Eisner. Luckily, they were able to turn it around. Uh, little things like... Uh, when the place opened, they didn't serve wine. And so they had to introduce wine because obviously that's such a huge part of French culture. I think they turned things around and now it is a very successful park. But I still think it hasn't ever shaken that stigma of being Euro Disneyland. Like I actually watched the uh, Itchy and Scratchy Land episode of The Simpsons not too long ago. <laughs> yeah. And after we have the whole adventure where the robots go crazy and the Simpsons have to destroy the robots at Itchy and Scratchy Land, they're like, oh, man, I wonder what's happening over in Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land. And it cuts to the same park exactly, but it's just one French guy at the booth saying, hello, anybody? (laughs) Does anyone want to come here? And it's just like an empty, endless parking lot. And I was like, ouch, damn. Well, I sure wish that's how it was today, because the place was not empty. The place was bumping. Yeah, it sure was. We have been a little spoiled by our Disneyland times here, because nine times out of ten, even if it's pretty busy, and it can get very busy, especially at Christmas time, you could still do plenty of attractions in a day. You could still have a nice day. You can find places to sit, find places to eat. That was not the case here. It was so fucking packed it in this place. It was wild. It was insane. It was fucking packed. As it my, was so my crazy. My dear husband said. Oh my god. It was it was crazy. So we went. Um, we got there early in the morning, of course, because I am an, a lunatic. And we got in pretty early. And there are two parks. We're not doing the whole Disneyland Paris Resort. Uh, like, we obviously, we didn't stay at any of the hotels. I think there's seven or eight hotels on property. That's wild, by the way. <laughs> it's a lot. That is an excessive number of hotels. Because for Disneyland, the original Disney park, 
which, you know, everyone all over the world travels to because it's the first. It's the park that, you know, that anti-Semite Walt made. (laughs) (laughs) Great. But, you know, he was real creative. (laughs) He was. But what you were saying is that there are three hotels for the entire Disneyland property. Right. For, For Disneyland, for the original Disneyland park, there are but three hotels. I know there are uh, a shit ton of hotels for Florida. Yes, um, there's like 15 or something insane. I don't know the exact number, obviously. That makes sense to me because isn't that the most like widely visited park in the world? Oh, yeah, yeah. Disneyland or Disney World in Orlando is truly a world unto itself. It is huge, it's huge. and sprawling and there are low-level hotels that are more motel style there are like the five diamond resorts like the contemporary and the grand floridian yeah there's tons it makes sense the two disney paris parks are quite petite as the as the french would say (laughs) très petite petite compared to the grande (laughs) is that italian that's italian yeah Compared to the large uh, park of Disney World. Yes. So, and walking through those parks and knowing we haven't gotten there yet, but we did the Walt Disney Studios yes, park I- in an hour. Well, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll explain it, yeah. But knowing just how small those two parks are, seven hotels seems excessive yeah it's excessive they need at least one more full big ass park to justify the number of hotels there for sure as packed as the parks were i bet that the hotels still weren't at capacity no way and part of the reason i didn't want to do the whole resort again because we didn't go into any of the hotels we really didn't explore the uh disney village which is like their version of downtown disney which is A really shitty uh, Planet Hollywood and like a Panda Express and shit. Here's why it's great. But that's what I'm saying. We're not doing the resort. Ah. And also we're not doing, we're not even going to come close to doing Disney Hollywood Studios Paris because holy shit, what a shit show that place is. <sighs> okay. Yeah. We, okay. We'll, we'll, yeah, let's touch on it briefly. We'll touch on it briefly because we'll get to Disneyland Paris. We, though, we were very excited about this other park because of one ride in particular. Which was the Ratatouille ride, which we were both super excited about. We got to the park. It was totally packed. All of the times. We got there when it opened. Yeah, we got there right at like rope drop, basically. Rides were already closed. Fast passes were gone for the day. It was insane. And so we just sort of beelined our way over to the Ratatouille ride. John had very cutely watched Ratatouille right before we went to Paris. (laughs) That was a twofold. Not only did I want to ride the ride, and so I needed to remember the full story of Remy the Rat Mm -hmm. and uh, his friend Linguini uh, learning to cook together and also learning a little bit about themselves, but also... (laughs) There was one. There was one <laughs> shot I remembered from that movie where uh, my friend Tyler, uh, former guest of the show, and I uh, went and saw it, and saw it in some digital projection of. But it was this beautiful vista of Paris, and it was one of those first Pixar visuals that just took my breath away. And so I wanted to see it for that, and it's a you know it's set in Paris, and I cutely wanted to watch it. You cutely wanted to watch it. One of the things I love about you is how much you love uh, Disney and Pixar movies, and um, how much you cry during them. Yeah, um, I will say Ratatouille does not make me cry. One of the few. I bet if you were chopping onions, 
With Remy the Rat, you'd be crying. With him stuck in my hair underneath my hat. With him pulling your strings, making you do things you don't want to do. Yeah. Rats are going to take over. <laughs> That's true. It's you a know, horror movie. I would love... <laughs> yes, it is. It's very Cronenbergian. Yeah. Um, but uh. yes, I had watched that, and I knew uh, from the Imagineering story, which I had watched prior to us going, that the Ratatouille ride was like the end-all, be-all of rides in that park. And it was basically everything I had heard or read said, you can kind of skip... The studios. Everything else. Yes, can skip the studios. We, uh, one thing, it was in December, obviously. It was Christmas time. It was fucking freezing. It was so It was so cold. Cold. I don't know why we thought, I mean, I know what we thought. We were there. It was Christmas time. This was our only chance to go, but we thought we would spend like a 16-hour day outside in the freezing Parisian winter. And guess who forgot her headgear? Who? You! <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. So we got to the first park. I had remembered my beanie, but Lin- uh, Lindsay had forgotten hers. Well, sorry I'm not cool enough to wear a beanie. <laughs> so we... <laughs> I forgot it was 1998 at the skate park. Look, really? man, it's freaking cold out, and you gotta be prepared. Well, Because I'm a Boy Scout. How and about... Always be prepared? I don't know. Were you a Boy Scout? Uh, for a short time. I... Until the guy who ran our troop died in an airplane test flight. What? I think at movie, Moody Air Force Base in Valdosta, Georgia, and uh, my mom took me out because it was too sad. Oh, my God. Yep. Uh, and she may correct me on that story. I don't know. That's just how I remember it. Well, I'm sure that that's Way to bring right. the mood down, John. Jesus. I was what I like to call a tag-along Girl Scout, pun intended, because of the delicious cookie. <laughs> and that is because we couldn't afford to make me a Girl Scout so I knew where the Girl Scouts would hang out at the Juliet Gordon Lowe Park um, in Savannah, because I'm from Savannah, Georgia, birthplace of Juliet Gordon Lowe, the mother of Girl Scouts. Oh, I didn't know that. And there was this park that I used to walk to. Uh, it was the Juliet Gordon Lowe Park, and the Girl Scouts would meet there in this little cabin. And I would go and sneak up, and I would stare at them through the window. Oh, man. And watch what they were doing, which was mostly coloring, which I thought was pretty lame. And then they had to go off and sell cookies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what sad. Are you like being a little girl staring through the window at the Girl Scouts or my troop leader dying in a test flight for the military? Probably that because you don't need to feel bad for me. I got all the same shit they did, only didn't have to pay for it and didn't have to sell no cookies. Did you, did you bring your own coloring stuff after a while? Uh, oh, no. I don't know if I got that sad. I literally would turn it into a game. This is so fucked up. I would turn it into like a game for myself. Like I was like a detective going undercover and I needed to like infiltrate the Girl Scouts and watch what they were doing. Wow. So I would straight up like sneak and hide under the window and then pop up and be like, what's up, Junior? What's up, Brownie? I think that's what they were like different. Yeah, like brownies, brownies is junior. definitely a thing. Oh my god! I, by the way, I would kill for a brownie. We've been in quarantine for three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I things, would too. Things are tough everywhere, but I would uh, pull a name out of a hat of anyone I know and murder them and for brownie. Them okay, for I knew where that was going. Okay, so John's back name to goes in twice. <laughs> going back to our old friend. Disney Hollywood Studios. So, okay. okay. Just briefly, yes, it was freaking like cold. The, the coldest it had been the entire time because we went through all of our London trip and it was not cold at all. I did want to make one very good point uh, about me not bringing a hat. It was actually fortuitous 
because I bought a hat and it was a beanie with a little Minnie Mouse bow on it. And I looked like a fucking queen all day. No, that's true. You know what? That's that's making lemonade. Show them the pics. Oh, yeah. You guys will see the pics. Look at on our Instagram. It's been collecting dust for eight months. So I might as well put something on there. All right. So real quickly, I'm actually pulling out the actual map. <gasps> now it's our time for our ASMR segment, folks. I'm pulling out the actual map. You're that supposed we to whisper. That we carried around that day. Better. It's got on one side... Disney, oh shit. I've, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, that's good. Way to map it. Okay. So on one side, it's got the map for Disney Hollywood Studios. Oh, sorry, it's called... I've been mis- This is a really not relaxing I've been, ASMR. <laughs> I've been misnaming it. You know? You're it's stressing me Disney, out. Walt Disney Studios Park. And okay, so looking at this map now, there is a space for an Avengers thing, uh, which I guess will be cool. There's an actual blockbuster video logo on here that we we, didn't, we did not go to the back of this park because they have like Aerosmith's rock and roller coaster which I probably would have if we had two days I would have definitely gone to two or three things here um, two but, or three <laughs> yeah, I know but I mean like legitimately this thing has like eight attractions to- like eight attractions that anybody would want to go on because they have a Toy Story Land which is basically carnival rides that are gussied up to look like Toy Story stuff but it's not fooling me and they had a giant Buzz Lightyear statue that I did take a photo with that was pretty cool but in the back of the park is a Ratatouille Land which is basically just a little French corner which is ironic because you're already like 45 minutes away from Paris and then you basically step into an area that is meant to look like Paris so it's like what's happening why am i here and i love the part of the imagineering story on disney plus where they talk about building this because they're like walt disney studios park has struggled so hard and everybody hates it forever until they built ratatouille and with the success it is now the greatest theme park ever constructed like angela (laughs) angela bassett's Her uh, her <laughs> delivery is great. But no, it's like, I mean, that show is the most like pat yourself on the back, except for the one episode where they made Michael Wait, Eisner look like an idiot. The Imagineering story produced and released by Disney Plus about Imagineers and the Disneyland parks is self-congratulatory. That's weird. Shockingly. Yeah. And if you watch it to the end, like Michael, uh, not Michael Eisner, uh, Bob Iger, who just is stepping down now finally as CEO is made so out. that I can step in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we're announcing, folks. It's I not Paul Ch- or uh, Bob Chapek who's going in. It's Lindsey Bring. It is I, Lindsey Bring, CEO of the Disney Parks. So anyway, the Walt Disney Studios, real quickly, you walk in and you go into a giant soundstage to start, which has a bunch of like shitty restaurants in it. It's the worst. You're like inside. It's Ugh. tiny. It all is like this kitschy, like trying to be L.A., like with neon and like fake palm trees and stuff and it's like why the fuck am i here but it was warm i'll give it that it was warm that's true uh that was also where we probably had the worst meal of our entire trip and this is including all the meals that we had in london which were by and large terrible yeah london sorry london i'm sorry england your food's not good (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just not That's putting it mildly uh but the food in paris was obviously incredible it's a very foodie town and i love disney like you love disney and i love disney snacks gonna give a shout out to sandy murray right now uh because she too loves theme park snacks gonna give a second shout out to sandy murray r.i.p the boysenberry festival this year at knots we would likely be there right now 
Um, like but, literally right now? Like literally like right today? now I'd be eating a boysenberry hot dog or something. Oh, shit. don't say these things, man. Uh, but I was especially excited about Disneyland Paris treats. And so I'd been following like Disneyland Paris on Instagram. I'd been following there is a Disneyland Paris treats Instagram account. And they always take really amazing photos of all of their like special items. And they're supposed to have incredible beignets and uh, just like all kinds of different French delicacies and incredible macaroons and uh so we started our day with just a breakfast sandwich and it was la disgusting <laughs> it, was, it was awful it was horrible as the french say uh it was bad uh it was like what just like a uh, which a breakfast sandwich it was just like eggs and cheese but it was like slathered into this disgusting mayonnaise it took one bite and i couldn't have any more we got a croissant a croissant on the side, which I thought was going to be good because literally every piece of bread I had had up to that point in France was the most amazing thing I'd ever had. Yeah. It was gross. It was bad. It was dry and hard. However, I do want to um, congratulate any place that gives a side to their sandwich. The side is just bread. Hell yeah. I was very excited about that. But it was bad bread. It was a bad sandwich. Yeah. So, so we, we that rushed, was not great. We rushed through that, had some breakfast. We rushed back to the Ratatouille ride, did the ride. It was pretty fun. Uh, it was our first time doing a trackless ride, which is yeah. the ride system of the new Rise of the Resistance. For anybody who doesn't know, obviously everyone here has been on a Disneyland ride before. And when you look at it, you can look at the track, you know where you're going. But obviously the new magnetic trackless ride system just means the floor is just blank and you have no idea where your ride vehicle is going to go. I love that. It's thrilling. It's so thrilling because you can't anticipate what's about to happen the way that you can with a track. Exactly. Yeah, you're just like, where? The, oh, I'm just along for the ride, literally. I loved that about... Well, I loved, first of all, the Ratatouille ride for us was just brand new. Neither one of us had ever done it before, obviously, and... At this point, when we go to Disneyland, you and I have probably done every single ride at Disneyland 5,000 times. So there are no more surprises, with the exception of the stars of the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance ride, which is hands down the most incredible theme park ride I've ever been on. But the trackless ride was really cool. And also the line was really cool. I love a Disney line. Uh, for was, Ratatouille? For Ratatouille. Yeah. And there were surprises in the line. It was really, really pretty. Once you got inside, it looked like, obviously, it looked like you were in Ratatouille, but it was like a beautiful Parisian. Yeah, like the you're in the rooftops of Paris. Yeah. You've got people singing out of their windows. Yeah. You've got little animations in the different windows. Uh, Gusto's, which is the restaurant that Remy ends up working at, uh, the sign comes to life and talks to him at a couple of points during the movie. So that happens when you're in line. The sign will come to life and start talking to you. It was just, it was a delight. I was was so excited. Yeah, perfect word for it. I was enchanted by it. Perfect. And then the ride itself was really fun. It's kind of like a screen ride and a, like I said, a trackless ride. It's like a, it's a dark trackless screen ride. It's a bit of a ride. You move around different screens. It's really fun because I didn't know what to expect, but you basically are the rat in the situation. Oh, and your car is shaped like a mouse. It's so cute. It's really cute. So you are the, you are the mouse, you are the rat and uh you are small so everything around you is bigger uh with perspective it's really fun yeah it's really fun i thought it was great it was supposed to open i think this summer or next summer but they're building one in uh disney world at epcot so we'll see when that actually makes it to uh completion 
highly look if you're gonna only do one ride at this park and you will uh make it be that one that was an incredible ride and it i thought it started the day off really nicely and it just got me excited to get to disneyland yeah and i'm looking at the map here and there really is not jack shit worth seeing there's a crush's coaster which i hear is cool it's like a finding nemo ride but I watched a ride through after we got back, and I'm glad we didn't wait 90 minutes for it, which was no. the ride, the uh, wait time when we were there. It was such a small park, and I mean, I think California Adventure is relatively small, not like this, but it was such a small park that I remember we stood in one spot of the park, like the sweet spot where we could see everything that the park had. Yeah, uh, and we just thought, like, uh, I don't, with the wait times, I don't think we want to waste any more time. Uh, and we should just really get over to Disneyland because if it's this crazy here, it's going to be bonkers over there. Yeah. Yeah. The, it was definitely wild. It was the a recreation of the partner statue, which is at Disneyland, which is Walt Disney holding Mickey's hand and they're pointing. Uh, it's sort of in the middle of the Disney Hollywood Studios. But instead of like at Disneyland where you look back and it's like, wow, there's the castle in front of you to the left is Frontierland and Adventureland entrance to the right is Tomorrowland behind you is Main Street USA and you just feel like this park could go on forever. There's so many opportunities. In the Disneyland Paris version, you're staring straight ahead and like 30 feet ahead is a really shitty fake backdrop of sky. And then, yeah, you turn to your left, you see one end of the park, you turn to your right, see the other end of the park, and it's like, why am I here? So anyway, sorry to to diverge so much about that, but that was that part of the park. That's why we're not going to explore that because it was uh, underwhelming to put it lightly. To put it kindly. It was yeah. underwhelming. So then we made our way over to Disneyland proper. I'm looking at the map now. And one of my favorite things is, even if you like don't go into the park, the Mickey head made of flowers, which is a signature of Disneyland, right when you walk in, there's always a line to take pictures at it. That was actually outside the park. So we spent quite some time taking photos there. Uh, Lindsay mentioned earlier that they were trying to make just the most beautiful park in the world. And let me tell you, they succeeded. It's beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was like a breathtakingly beautiful park when you walk in. It was Disneyland on beautification steroids. I was getting impatient for us to get in because we felt like we had to stop every three feet to take another photo of some new beautiful, you know, topiary or flower bed or whatever. As with any Disney park, you know, your entrance is Main Street, which was delightful. But the thing I think you and I were both super excited about was getting to the castle. Oh, you're actually not even remembering something. The entrance is actually underneath the Disneyland Hotel. So one of the hotels is the building that you're entering into, basically. And that is a huge, beautiful building unto itself. Gorgeous. It's got a huge Mickey Mouse clock on the top. And it's just a beautiful way in. But continue. Sorry. Uh, just one of seven uh, Disneyland <laughs> Paris hotels you can stay at. Book your stay today. Uh, book your stay. Uh, not today, but perhaps in the future. Yeah, perhaps two, three months down the road. <sighs> book your stay. Everything's okay. We're all going to be okay. The castle I was especially excited about. Uh, look, the Disney World castle is incredible. It's huge. The Disneyland castle, I think, is beautiful and charming, but it is, it's very small. It's très petite, and that is because <laughs> planes fly over Disneyland, and it can't uh, surpass a certain height. So it's sort of limited by its location. It has to be a tiny little castle, as beautiful as it is. This castle at Disneyland Paris was both huge and beautiful and the colors were nice and I feel like we probably spent 75% of our day hanging out 
around or inside the castle. And inside the castle, there was such a cool treat. Oh, yeah. Oh, and before we get to the castle, let me also just mention the uh, Main Street USA, which is also present in all Disneyland parks. It was huge. I mean, they obviously were dressed up for Christmas, and the park mostly was not super dressed up for Christmas time. Like, if you come to Disneyland out here, it's all over the place. It's a Christmas explosion. But there, it was mostly just a little bit on Main Street and a little bit here and there in pockets around the park. Uh, But as we were walking in, I was just taken aback by how huge their Main Street was, how wide it was, how tall it was, the detail. It was just exquisite. And they had an amazing tree right as you walk in. So it was very, very cool. And as Lindsay said, we spent way too much time at that castle taking photos and finding people to take photos of us and taking photos of other people. But it was totally worth it because it was just très fantastique. It was fantastique. It was hyper cool. All right. So obviously we've established that it was extremely busy. And compared to the other place, it's extra shocking that the the other park is so small because Disneyland proper is just like packed to the gills with stuff. Now, what sets them apart a little bit is that a lot of their stuff is not like your typical rides. They have a lot of like walkthrough attractions and they have some different lands that we're used to. Obviously, they have Adventureland, they have Frontierland, uh, Fantasyland. These are all typical to our experience. But they instead of Tomorrowland, they wisely went with Discoveryland, which is a Jules Verne themed Tomorrowland, yeah. which is science fictiony, but it's also timeless. So unlike our Tomorrowland in Disneyland, which has kind of fallen apart yeah. and kind of looks a little bad, uh, and it's way behind in the times and the technology, theirs can exist outside of time as we know it and can kind of stay this rustic uh, steampunk vision always. It's like when you watch an old movie set in the future and the future was 2014 (laughs) and everybody's like in flying cars and shit. Uh, When you go to our Tomorrowland, you're like, "Eh, it's not that futuristic. Yeah, (laughs) it's also just like Buzz Lightyear and like more Star Wars shit. And we have a whole land devoted to Star Wars. Yeah. And it's like Star Wars Launch Bay, which used to be the Carousel of Progress, which was an awesome animatronic show. As I was saying, we did not have, uh, since we had already hit up the other park, it was super busy. We did not get to hit a ton of attractions here. We didn't do any of the walkthrough attractions, which I find regrettable. Well, we tried. Uh, We were excited about doing the Alice in Wonderland walkthrough, especially. I know I was excited about that. Uh, But we went to it around, I don't know, 4 4? p.m. And uh, there was a Disney attendant outside saying the the ride was the ride. The walkthrough attraction was already closed because they start to close them all down when it gets dark, which it was getting dark by 4 p.m. And to that I say, can you not? light the attraction are there lanterns yeah they're does, like can, there are no lights does mickey not have a candle to spare <laughs> it was wild to me that an attraction would be closed every day of the year for half of the time the park is open yeah. because they haven't lit it yeah that was weird uh, i don't understand that but the couple of attractions we did were pretty great i will say that we did more than a couple yeah yeah we did we did like, like Four. (laughs) We did four. Uh, So the first attraction we went to kind of set the bar impossibly high for the rest of the park, 
we went to the Phantom Manor, which was one of the rides that I was most excited about visiting at this park. It's their version of the Haunted Mansion, except for instead of being like a uh, Southern Gothic kind of thing, it's Western. It's like a Western mansion, and holy shit, it is awesome. It was incredible. It was amazing. We, I think, John, you and I both love Haunted Mansion. That's like on our list of favorite rides. That might be my favorite. I feel like you and I never visit Disneyland without doing the holy trifecta of Pirates, Haunted Mansion, Indian or Space Mountain. Like those yeah. are the three that we always, three or four that we always hit. So we were both really excited about this Haunted Mansion. And one thing that was different about this one was that it was legit scary. Yeah, because we, uh, as you said, we do Haunted Mansion all the time here. It's just a fun ride. There's not really any point where you're like, oh, you know, thrills and chills and oh, this is actually spooky. Uh, They kind of go for that vibe at the very beginning of the ride where you're going through and it's, you know, doors knocking themselves and hands kind of coming through the doors and stuff. But it never really gets to you that bad. And for the beginning of this ride, it's pretty much the same thing. There's a different entrance when you're doing the elevator with the stretching portraits. Those are all different, which was weird and wild. And also, obviously, it's funny to me because all of it was in French. It was in French. We loved that so much. Well, we get really excited uh, whenever... The ride speak turns to Spanish because I feel like in English, it's always like, please buckle your seatbelts. Thanks for coming to Disneyland. We hope you have a magical day. And then it switches to a Spanish speaker and it's like, bienvenidos, welcome to Disneyland. And it's like so much and more exciting. And then he exciting. immediately starts speaking English. Yeah, he speaks. I'm translating. Bienvenidos a Disneyland. Bienvenidos this is why we need Seb here. Yeah, we're embarrassing Seb, ourselves. Seb, we're very white super super white we're so sorry but yeah all the french stuff was really funny so i mean not funny like, but bonjour Disneyland. <laughs> it, it was just excitable. And uh, so that was fun. Uh, you go into the ride and it kind of starts similarly to our Haunted Mansion. Little differences here and there. And of course, I'm such an obsessive that I'm like, oh, this door is slightly off from this. And and then eventually uh, you see the ballroom dancing, which is the famous scene from the Haunted Mansion. And then when you typically go to Grim Grinning Ghosts, which is where you go into the graveyard and there's tons of ghosts and they're having a blast. They're having a ball and they're singing fun songs and they're being very jovial that is when things turn dark in this version straight up dark i remember i grabbed you because a hellhound comes out of nowhere it's yeah scary there's like a dude uh there's like a guy that's like kind of in an undertaker outfit like a kind of half cape over his shoulders and he's just got a skull face and uh he's got like a top hat and he's just laughing at you like oh <laughs> Like a spooky laugh. And he's one of those new animatronics that moves way too fluidly. And it's kind of freaky. That's freaky all by itself. But yeah, we're going by this guy and he's digging a grave that your car is going into, by the way. It's meant for you. He's digging your grave because you're going to die there. Yeah. And next to him is, as Lindsay described it, a hellhound, a rotting carcass of a dog that his its neck ex- shoots out at you. It extends, and it made me jump in Meant my seat. to drag you to hell after you're murdered inside the ride. I have um, very little patience for children who are scared of rides. Like, we have many friends with kids, and it's like, we go to Disney, and it's like, oh, do you want to ride this ride? It's like, oh, no, they're scared of this ride. It's They're scared of this ride. And it's like, there's nothing at Disneyland to be scared of. 
fear this ride. Yeah. French parents, do not take your children <laughs> into this ride. Don't go in there unless you're minimum 50 and have seen some shit. Yeah, because, look, you go down into the depths of hell, and you are not greeted by grim grinning ghosts who are, like, goofy and singing barbershop quartet songs. No, 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 no. You are greeted by legit skeletons who are now playing other skeletons as xylophones, and it's creepy, and you are, like, underground. It Like, the scenery looks like you have been buried, and you are now surrounded by real ass skeletons i'm gonna say it i bet those skeletons are real i bet they are i bet too. they are i bet they straight up pulled a poltergeist where they hey, move the headstones but they didn't move the bodies also did you know this am i misquoting i believe that the skeletons in the poltergeist pool that they shot were actually real human skeletons Correct. and they didn't tell the actors that until afterwards could you imagine yep it's a miracle that Craig T. Nelson is still with us, <laughs> honestly, because I know that there's, like, the poltergeist curse. There is, but, well, Joe Beth Williams was the one who had to uh, yeah. suffer the pool. And didn't the older sister that missed the whole climax of the movie, didn't she, like, die a couple years later? She did. Their poltergeist curse is real and very, very sad. Dominique Dunn was her name, and she played Dana. She has my favorite moment in the movie when she, as you said, she missed sort of the climax of the movie. She's been gone the entire movie, like, sucking face with her boyfriend, and she comes back when the house is blowing wing up and there are hickeys all over her neck and she just screams and says what's happening oh yeah i do love that it's my favorite part of the movie dominic dunn very tragically uh was murdered by her boyfriend uh shortly after the movie and then of course heather o'rourke died before the filming of the third poltergeist movie uh, very cursed film. Anyway, this uh, this ride is scarier than all the Poltergeist movies. And scarier than the Poltergeist curse. Scarier than the curse. They use real skeletons, real hellhounds. They get yeah. them from actual hell. Right. Um, and, they... and when you go on, a Native American curse is put on you yeah. as you go through the ride. We are forever cursed for riding Phantom Manor. Yeah. Um, That's why we're all in this corona mess right now is because we rode phantom manor back in december (laughs) okay too close to home too close to home. that's why look i've had many corona jokes i've wanted to make it has been very hard to hold off all right fair enough but we anyhow so you go down you're with the skeletons and then all of a sudden instead of being again in this like joyous graveyard you're in like a western town that's all underground and it's like spooky ghosts of cowboys and uh like i said like more undertakers and things like that like some uh, saloon babes you know saloon babes and honestly, aka prostitutes that's yeah basically it becomes westworld and what's scarier than that i mean true dad so you go through that that's a delight actually that was less scary but then one last time before you end the ride you see that scary skeleton face man who's laughing at you again. Ha 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 ha. And he like, I was like, oh, now I'm not going to be scared of him this time. I know him. I recognize you. I see you, bro. But as we are going past, he like bows up on you. He like lunges at you a little bit. And it made me jump again. <laughs> like, I'm not even shitting you. Like, it made, it legitimately scared me twice. Twice. Uh, I'm a grown, I'm almost 40. Um, and it scared me. So we got scary. off of that. And I, I don't scared of anything by the way i love scary shit i love scary movies always have i live for halloween horror nights i like people jumping out at me Uh, phantom manor was terrifying yeah it was real scary uh so after that that was just like 
the tops. That was still to to my recollection the best thing we did the whole day was the first ride we went on in Disneyland proper. Uh we walked around the Adventureland area which was really cool. Uh rather the Frontierland area uh which is I forget the name of the town but it's like something Gulch. Oh, Boot Hill maybe. Anyway, Whatever the case, uh, so we walked around a little bit, kind of checked things out. We got a Thunder Mountain uh, Fast Pass for, it was like something like 10 o'clock by the time we got to the Fast Pass, <laughs> and it was for 12 hours ahead or something like It was something ridiculously late for yeah. how early we were there. We walked around Fantasyland and checked out uh, shops and things, and here's the thing about the park. This is, uh, all right, so obviously Phantom Manor, great. We're trying to describe to you why Disneyland Paris, which has gotten shit on for the entire 25 years it's been open... Why Why is it great? And Phantom Manor, you could pretty much end this podcast right now. Phantom Manor is so great. And I dare say maybe the definitive Haunted Mansion that I've been on. I haven't been on Mystic Manor, which is in Shanghai, which is apparently equally Ooh, badass. Yeah. So that may be the new definitive one. But this is such a cool version of this ride. There has never been a better time to go to China. You know what? It's real cheap right now. Real <laughs> cheap. Go. <laughs> Let's go right now. But anyhow, we could end this podcast now and be like, Phantom Manor, done. Great. It's great. But we're going to keep going. And one thing I'm going to say about this park that's great is Tony Baxter, the guy who created the park, kind of set out to have a different style of park than Disneyland. If you're walking around Disneyland, it is very easy to get around. Everything loops. Everything connects. It's a very, like, I guess, ergonomic way of setting out a park. The hub with the spokes that go out to the different lands always works. We It's hard to get lost in Disneyland. However, I think that he set out to make a more leisurely experience in this park of something you could walk around in, something you could get a little lost in, and honestly, something that you can soak in the scenery of. So, so much of this park is just beautiful pathways. However, I got real lost a whole bunch. But in doing so, I think we found so many nooks and crannies in this park that just were beautiful that we took a ton of photos. It was one of the neat things about this park is really discovering it. One, I'm not used to being at a Disney park and not knowing my way around. Because even if I went to Disney World in Orlando right now, I'd probably be able to pick it up without a map and find my way around okay. But this was just like looking at this map, there are so many like little twists and turns. And I remember at the end of uh, Frontierland is the big Indiana Jones ride. Or actually, sorry, that must be in Adventureland. But they have a, like a big Indiana Jones like roller coaster that we ended up not going on. But that's like one of those rare dead ends at a Disney park. We, we probably went down that way like six times thinking it was going to connect to Pirates of the Caribbean, but it never did. Uh, so we had a little bit of a hard time finding our way around, but I thought it was so cool to experience this park in a different way where it is like a hundred different ways to get to a single place. Mm-hmm. Whereas Disneyland, it's like there's basically one way to get to everything. So we walked around. We were taking in the scenery. We stopped at a pizza outpost. Yeah, we were hungry because we'd only had a disgusting mayonnaise breakfast sandwich with a side of a hard croissant. Uh, so we, uh, we wanted, I think we tried to get some reservations for some of the nicer restaurants, but again, it was just so packed. So we just stopped at this pizza outpost and, and, uh, one, actually one of my fondest memories of the day was from the bathroom of the pizza outpost. Oh God, I love this. I, uh, we got our food. I went to use the restroom and there was a line out of the, uh, ladies room door and the door had to be propped open because the line was so long. So I got in and was standing in this open doorway 
And then there was a changing table that was out in the open facing the open doorway. Which, you know, look, moms got to change their kids. I get it. But there was this, a French mother changing this, like, toddler's, I guess a toddler? I don't know. What are toddlers? 12, 13? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I know a lot about kids. Ask me to watch them for you. Uh, So there was this little French boy. We'll say he was 2 or 15. He was standing just, like, buck naked on the changing table. And in his hand was a Rex toy from Toy Story. And he was shaking it nervously, just like staring at everybody. And when I stepped in, he shook it at me with his little dingling hanging out on his little <laughs> butt all bare and empty while his mom changed him. And he made like extreme eye contact with me, shaking his Rex and went, no, <laughs> no, no. Basically telling me to look away because I don't know, man, like I see anybody who's naked. I'm going to look like I'm not weird or anything, but I was just like staring at this naked baby. So he was like, no. And so it made me so uncomfortable that I then shifted whistled and stared at the ceiling <laughs> so that he could get changed. Yeah, and you immediately told me that story <laughs> upon coming out of it. You're like, listen to this shit right now. And yeah, like the look of like the pretending to hold a Rex and shaking it and then like not only just shaking it, but also with every no accenting that with the <laughs> no. point with the Rex in your hand is is I was not there for that, obviously, but God. That is one of my favorite memories of the entire <laughs> night. Meanwhile, I was in the pizza outpost looking like a fucking dork because I was like, ooh, there's stuff painted in the other room. Because the other room where people sat, unless you had a reservation, you couldn't go in and they had a person standing there to keep you there, a Frenchman. And I could not communicate with him that I just wanted to look at the paintings on the ceiling because I'm a dork. Uh, so he wouldn't let me in and he was mad. But after that little experience, we went our way to Pirates of the Caribbean which was a hell of a good time. Tony Baxter, like I said, is the guy who is responsible for many of our favorite rides. And I think he just really wanted to up the ante on all of these rides uh, at this Disneyland park. Because I think he knows that the Pirates of the Caribbean, here at least in Disneyland, the line is bullshit. Yeah, the line sucks. Yeah, it's long. It's pretty boring. It's just like, I mean, it's a nice courtyard that you're going into, but it's not a great wait. Luckily, that ride is constantly moving, so you never really have to stay in it too long, but I really feel like it's like a misfire on Disney's behalf by not having a cool line. Well, yeah. There's no room for it. It's like the Peter Pan ride. It's like this minimum 45-minute wait, and it's just like you're one inch apart on these tiny, narrow little lanes. Well, speaking of Tony Baxter, don't you have a Tony Baxter story for all the Disney nerds out there? I sure do, you Disney nerds. So obviously I am big into this stuff, but I knew about Tony Baxter from back in the day. I just remembered that name. I remembered his face. I remembered his mustache. He's obviously very prominently featured on the Imagineering story. But one time I was at Disneyland, California Adventure, specifically with a uh, former guest of the show, Sandy, who we went to the Boysenberry Festival with <laughs> and who did the Hanson episode with us. It was her birthday. So we took her out to Carthay Circle Restaurant. And this is after a long day and we're all pretty exhausted and we're all ready to go. I step out of the bathroom and who is there but Mr. Tony Muffucking Baxter himself And you'd think that I just saw Leonardo DiCaprio or like Hulk Hogan or Madonna or somebody. That is the most starstruck I've ever seen you. And I don't generally get starstruck. I've only been like truly starstruck like a handful of times. One of which was when I snuck onto the set of Changeling 
when Clint Eastwood was directing it and I was hidden in a corner behind a grip cart and he was walking through, his assistant was walking him through. He had done his classic one take of whatever they were shooting. And he looked at me with those intense ass Clint Eastwood eyes. And then I realized for one second in time, Clint Eastwood and I existed in the same plane of reality and it just really tripped me out. It really freaked me out. Ugh. I know you you hate Clint Eastwood movies and you know, <laughs> But I mean, still, is Clint? He's the man with no name. I mean, that's it's crazy. He has he's, a name. It's Clint Eastwood. <laughs> he's old. He's done. Those. It's uh, fucking Harry Callahan. I mean, it's like uh, look at that eye. Those eyes could stare down and make any man wet his pants. And uh, I came close. Uh, but anyhow, the other time I was that starstruck was when I saw Tony Baxter, the Imagineer, at the Carly Circle restaurant. I immediately came out to Lindsay. I was like, no, Lindsay, it's, that's Tony Baxter. That's Tony Baxter. Should I say something? Should I Should I go back in there? Like, should like, I go sh- back in where? Do you want to go back in the restroom and find him? Yeah, do I, uh, do I like, shake his hand and be like, hey, man, shake thanks, his for, dick. thanks for, <laughs> thanks for uh, uh, Splash Mountain, bro. That's one of my faves. Uh, ultimately, I got my shit together and I said, you know what? He's with some people. He's with some family and friends. I'm going to leave him alone. Or Tony Baxter was gone because John spent too much time debating whether or not he should go approach him and talk to him. Sure. Or that. Uh, This was long before we actually went to Disneyland Paris. So maybe had I been to Disneyland Paris and then saw him, I would have had the guts to say, listen, bro, I know you catch a lot of flack. I know you've gotten a lot of shit over that park, but let me tell you what. There are at least four good rides. There are at least four good rides. Actually, three because we went on one twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so thanks for all that you do. <laughs> yep. But anyway, one of Tony Baxter's big things is like you could look at it at the Indiana Jones ride here in Disneyland or Splash Mountain where there's these long lines that are very interactive and very like just cool. Uh, and really the lines, the queue itself is telling a story. And uh, Indiana Jones is probably the best example of that. That's one of the most amazing lines in any theme park. Uh, But Pirates of the Caribbean, which has such a shitty line here, they just did it up right at this place. You're going through like a big Spanish fort. You're going through all sorts of different scenes. And there's some some light animatronics here and there. It was awesome. And the ride itself was also tray cool. The ride was very cool. The thing that um, I was taken by was that everything is kind of in reverse on the ride. Like, you know how when you started at Disneyland, you kind of have your slow kind of boat crawl. You have a couple little dips. You're seeing, like, all the treasure. And really the climax of the ride is you finally get out to, like, the cannonballs and the pirates. My memory of it was like, whoa, uh, you just start immediately off with, like, the pirates and the pirate ship and the dancing and all the fun. And then you sort of end it on the slow kind of boat ride yeah it was weird like literally the last thing you see in the disneyland version and i believe in the florida version is the guys begging the dog for the key yeah like that's the first thing that you see you go up a lift hill and you see that uh the the jail on fire and then like a couple more short scenes and then you're in the big cannonball section it's very weirdly mixed up and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense i mean like look the story of pirates of the caribbean doesn't make a whole lot of sense period Except for now they got to find Jack Sparrow and the map and the key and all that bullshit. But this was very, like, a very, like, dyslexic version of the ride. However, it was awesome. It, it was, was awesome. so cool. Oh, and their ver- which I know we'll get to later, but uh, in uh, Disneyland, they have a restaurant sort of inside the beginning of the ride called Blue Bayou, which we love. It's like a New Orleans Cajun restaurant. 
And here they had a restaurant that you kind of float by called Captain Jack's. And it went really hard on like Caribbean. It was yeah. a Caribbean restaurant. Yeah. Which um, we had for dinner. Yeah, we did. That was actually the one thing I was able to do. The one restaurant we wanted to go to that we heard was great in Disneyland Paris is a place called Waltz, which is an American-style eatery in Main Street, USA. USA! <laughs> yeah. USA! Yeah, let's go from the USA to France to eat American food. That makes Mozzarella sense. Mozzarella sticks, buffalo wings. Yeah, boy. But anyway, Waltz was closed for renovation when we went, so uh, I had to like basically pick on the phone on an international call at the drop of a hat of where we wanted to eat that day, and I was like, I don't know, Jack Captain Jack's looks very themed, so we went with that. I'm glad we had something picked out because, man, oh, man, those waits for the restaurants were ridiculous. Uh, so at this point of the day, it was uh, we had just finished Pirates of the Caribbean. It was already like dusk almost. Yeah, it was getting dark. After this, I think after Pirates, and we of course bought our commemorative Pirates of the Caribbean photo, which we will happily post on the Instagram. <laughs> yes. And spoke to a lovely French lady who had worked at the Tokyo Resort and had worked, I think, also at Disneyland. I think that she had worked at the Tokyo Resort, um, but she visit she visits Disneyland every year and Disney World. She loves Disney so much, Hell works yeah. at Disney, and she was uh, her dream was to go. I think to Shanghai Disney because she hadn't been there yet. But yeah. she was really she was hyper cool. She was really fun to talk to. She was super nice. Uh, we had a lot of fun with her talking about our favorite Disney rides. She was great. I will say this about specifically Disney, but really, I mean, a lot of France. All I had heard was that like the French are salty they don't like americans they're gonna give you attitudes I, we did not have a lot of that most of our like uber drivers were like pointing out uh different cool things they were great we did throw a lot of money at them that is true we tipped <laughs> very well when we were there uh no, but everybody every- was very very nice to us it was great yeah everybody with disneyland was really nice so we left there and this was about the middle of the day and Lindsay, poor little Lindsay. Was not feeling so good. Poor little Lindsay. Poor little Lindsay. I was like dragging her along. Not only is she sick, but also you had like tweaked your back. Well, we had done, we had spent like a week in London prior to this. And we were walking like, yeah, 10 miles, like we walked a lot. We went hard. Um, I have back issues anyway, uh, you know, like a young woman of 34 does. Uh, but I think I just like tweaked my back from just traveling and being out a lot. Uh, so it wasn't feeling amazing, but... I had, you know, the day before at the Louvre, I kind of wasn't feeling great. We went back and rested. No big deal. And then all of a sudden, like middle of the day, it just hit me. I had to barf. Yes. This is at Disneyland. At Disneyland. We were there and I was like, let's take a picture of the castle. <laughs> now that the sun's come up a little bit. And I was like, yeah, give me two minutes. And then she, I watched her go off, walk off to the side of the castle and not like puke your guts out. It wasn't a lot of puke, but it was definitely there. But I puked. So I puked on the side of the Disneyland Paris castle. Hell yeah. How many of you can say that, suckers? Probably one or two of you. So then at this point, it was like middle of the day. We had a lot of day left and we had only done three attractions combined between the two parks. (laughs) So, you know, John said, oh God, what do we do? Do we go home? Like, how are you feeling? And I was like, nah, son. Get me a Sprite. We're going to rally. Yeah. So I foolishly got a Sprite, which was like a two-hour Yeah, I was going to say, that wasn't just go get a Sprite. I was like, okay, obviously they will have like carts the way that there are carts everywhere in Disneyland. Guess what, folks? They don't have anywhere to buy a drink. It's impossible to get a drink unless you wait in line at a restaurant, and the restaurant lines are like an hour for I anything. I waited over 45 minutes 
for a motherfucking sprite. Oh, but I really needed it. Yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you got it, but I was so frustrated by the end of that cuz it was taking so fucking long and there was no like sideline and obviously I was a stupid American who did not bother to learn any French, so I couldn't communicate with a lot of people. So that was like one of the few times where there was like a language barrier and I was like, I just want to get a drink. Is there a line just for the drink? Sippy sippy. Not Sprite. Not the case. Uh, so that nice little 45-minute diversion really ate into our day, but I'm glad that you were feeling better, at least. That's nice. Yeah, I wasn't. I still felt terrible, but I sucked down the Sprite and then committed to the rest of the day, in which I had yeah. a fever and chills and probably should have gone home. And, probably. Uh, and, you know, uh, not touched anything or spread my illness to anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we stayed because a win in Paris, this was probably going to be our... We didn't know if we would ever be able to go back, and we still had some more things we wanted to do, so... We kind of just pushed on and uh, and moved forward. Yeah, we did. We went back to, over to the castle. The aforementioned spent way too much time at the castle, now taking videos, more pictures. After that, we went underground, the, under the castle. Yeah, we haven't even said the best part yet. I think my favorite part of the Disneyland Paris experience was inside the castle, there is a giant animatronic of a dragon. And every few minutes, the dragon wakes up and breathes fire. Yeah. The dragon's just like sleeping, just chilling underneath the castle. And then, yeah, every once in a while, he'll get up and be like, what the fuck? And then, like, make a big fuss. It's like a, <laughs> it's it's one of those, like, it's not even a walkthrough attraction. It's just kind of like you walk in, there it is. It's not, yeah, it's not even, it's, it's just so cool. Like the level of detail under the castle was just, um, it was incredible. It was amazing. Yeah. And you and I both love animatronics. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, and this was like the coolest animatronic. Much like I believe there were real hellhounds and skeletons <laughs> and Phantom Manor. This was a real dragon. Yeah, it was great. And we probably hung out there for like half an hour, even though the loop or whatever is probably a five minute loop of this thing waking up, doing its thing, going back to sleep for another couple of minutes. Uh, we hung out there for a really long time and it was just cool. Yeah. I must have filmed it like 17 times. It was awesome. So after that, we went to uh, It's a Small World. Which I keep forgetting that we even went to, which because it's pretty much what you get here or in Orlando. I would say, fine. I know this is a positive podcast, but what was great? It's a Small World wasn't great. It was a much smaller, less exciting version of what you get here. It was a long wait. It wasn't great. I, I, I think at that point we were just sort of like reaching for anything we could do with a less than two hour wait as the sun was going down. And it's a small world. I think we were able to get in within an hour. So we just went for yeah. it. And it was like, like I said, I love it's a small world. I know it's like one of my mom's favorite rides and it's honestly like one of mine. It's always very charming, but uh, small is the operative word here. It just felt like a truncated version of what we normally get yeah and points off disneyland paris for not calling it it's a petite world yeah for real though so we finished that and it was kind of getting dark at this point and we went over to go through the alice in wonderland maze that we mentioned before we were turned away and i was like oh you know what's around here storybook land canal boats which we talked about on like one of our first couple of episodes on this show i was like i have to do that and guess what was also closed? I think the case of the Storybook Land Canal Boats, a.k.a. La Pez de Contes de Fez. That's how that's pronounced. That's and definitely honey, it. you sound beautiful. Thank you. Uh, the reason for that was uh, was not the lighting thing, but they set up their fireworks. That's where they shoot the fireworks off oh. for some reason. But I really regretted that because obviously we've covered it on the show before. And we, Sebastian and I both watched ride-throughs of it. And it did look awesome. 
so I regret not being able to go on that. So mea culpa, guys. I'm I I did not make it there on time. Uh, hopefully next time, if we ever go back to Disneyland Paris, I'll make it there. So from there, we were like, you know what? Lindsay's getting sicker and sicker at this point. Let's just yep, go to dinner. Yeah, I was really dragging. <laughs> and let's get out of here. So we, we doubled back to Pirates of the Caribbean. We went to our Captain Jack's dinner. I could tell Lindsay was miserable the entire time. We had some pretty tasty food. I tried um, blood sausage. You did. I got. I think I got like coconut shrimp. Yeah, yeah. It was like definitely better than the rest of the food in the park because the rest of the food sure. in the park was garbaggio. It's still. But here's what is sort of shocking to me: that in a city, and even 45 minutes outside of a city, where the food is incredible, some of the best in the entire world. How did you manage to get some of the worst and some of the most subpar food into your theme park? It kind of shakes me. But I'm looking at pictures of it now, and it looked pretty good. Like, thick pieces of pork with some squash on the side. I think it was actually not blood sausage. I think it was called black pudding or something like that. And I was like, ooh, yum, black pudding. But it is just, like, sausages made of blood and plantains. My memories are good of it. It was okay. Again, I was sick, so maybe I'm clouded, but it wasn't. It was okay. But I'm going to say that it was definitely a lot better than the rest of the food that we had. Well, actually, I take that back. The pizza place that we went to before had, like, a lasagna that we got, and that shit was good. Yeah, it was, like, a microwavable lasagna. It was pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to turn down a Stouffer's lasagna meal for nothing. Well, sure. If we're comparing it to Stouffer's, then, yeah, it was... Like a Stouffer's lasagna. And, good. and so being the, the Americans that we are, we didn't like realize that France has different customs about dinner, i.e. dinner lasts 17 hours every single night. Oh, my God. Everywhere in Europe. We had no idea. We're, again, poorly traveled. We did not realize that the event when you go out is dinner. So when we were in Paris, especially, anytime we went out for a meal, we were there for four hours. Yeah, and we were at Captain Jack's like three hours it legitimately. crazy. And, uh, you know, and also the servers are not super on top of it. So, like, that's probably also a cultural thing is that servers are not just tending to you every five seconds. But, like, I drink water really fast, so I'd chug it down and then we just – I would be bone dry for, like, half an hour between seeing the server – so dinner lasted a hell of a long time, but the one good thing of that was I noticed there were like all the boats were full, full, full passing us as we started our dinner because we were right next to the river. By the end of it, all the boats were empty. All the Pirates of the Caribbean boats. Yeah, all the yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean boats. So we, we left the restaurant and noticed that there was a zero minute wait. Um, Pirates, which we had waited, what, two hours? Before? I know. It was kind of it was kind of equal parts awesome and also so annoying because we spent two hours waiting for it earlier in the day. It was great. And we were like, well, we have to do we have to do anything with zero minutes, but we love pirates. We zipped on it, did it again. It was so great, but it makes you realize like, oh, how shitty it was to wait two hours yeah. for it earlier. Yeah, that was rough. So we did that again, and then we ended on another ride that I'm gonna just go out and say is definitely the bar none hands down definitive version of a ride and that is big thunder mountain thunder mesa that's the name of the town thunder mesa. i knew i'd come i know it would hit me but big thunder mountain like you know how they normally have the rivers of america in a disney park where it's like the tugboat or whatever goes around it's just a small river mm-hmm. in the middle of the park they have that here but instead of like being tom sawyer island or the swiss family robinson island in the middle of that they have the ride Big Thunder Mountain. So it's a roller coaster in the middle of this river. Uh, it's an island, essentially. And it was so 
thrilling. It was thrilling. Also, it was gigantic. Yeah. We love that ride. I especially love doing that ride at night at Disneyland, and they've sort of refurbished it. They've smoothed it out. It used to be kind of like a neck breaker of a ride. You know, it's kind of like a shaky wooden roller coaster. It's really smooth now, and um, they've sort of lit it up with, like, dynamite. And when you do it at night, it's really beautiful. Um, I'm glad we did this ride at night at Disneyland Paris because it was gorgeous, but it was also huge. It was enormous. And the ride, for that reason, the ride lasted a really long time. So it really felt like it was worth it. And luckily, you know, I think that was like the one fast pass we were able to get all day. Yeah. When we did Phantom Manor first thing, you know, we waited and we got that fast pass for Big Thunder Mountain. And I'm so glad we did. The ride was incredible. And I think I told you afterwards that for me, the cost of admission was totally covered by Phantom Manor and by Big Thunder Mountain. Like those two rides really uh, blew my top off. Yeah. My shirt. So we had to go buy you another shirt, of course. John's like, you forgot your beanie. You forgot your shirt. And I'm like, whatever, man. Yeah. This is America. Leave me alone. No, no it's not. Florida. <laughs> it's it's not America. That was our, I believe, our last ride of the day. And this yeah. is that's this is us going on with Phantom Manor, Pirates, well, Pirates. Well, technically Ratatouille. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ratatouille. So I mean, too. if we we'll could call it five rides, so we for the whole Disney experience, Ratatouille, which I thought was a really great ride, a really nice, enchanting way to begin the day. Then Phantom Manor, which we both fucking love. Yeah, over the moon. Over the moon for Phantom Manor. We five boysenberries out of five. Five out of five boysenberries, Sandy Murray. I, I mean, I consider the castle an attraction, especially with yeah, the animatronic. Sure. And mm-hmm. we probably spent eight hours at the castle. Uh-huh. It was so beautiful. The dragon was so amazing. Then I, was it uh, Puke then, Fest 98? Then Puke Bonner Fest. Bands, then, then, uh, it's a small world? Small world. Which was meh. I'm going to say it, it was meh. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Come at me, bro. It, it was fine. And then we, to finish out our night, Lindsay limping along, Correct. wanting to die. It's yeah. gone back to being a negative 1,000 degrees. We're freezing to death. Uh, so I made her walk through Discovery Land. Right. Uh, that was the only time we spent in Discovery Land all day. I have regrets. Yeah. For sure. One, I wish we, we just didn't know. We didn't, like, we just know Disneyland so well. You know, we often are the tour guides for our friends when we go. We kind of know exactly, like, what ride you want to get the Fast Pass for and when. Uh, we're just so well versed in it. And I think we thought maybe that would translate to a new Disney park. We just didn't really quite know what to do and how to traverse it. And uh, we didn't know what was going to be super cool versus what wasn't going to be that cool. And at the end, I also really wish I hadn't gotten sick because it definitely diminished the quality of the trip for me. But even so, I'm glad we went. And uh, towards the end of the night, we really just got to walk through Discovery Land. But it was aw- like everything in the park. It was truly beautiful. And I'm really sorry we didn't get to do a ride. We were just running out of time. Look, I wish we could have done that too. There was a lot to see in Discovery Land. It was truly gorgeous. Like, every uh, it kind of goes without saying at this point because the whole park is this way but just like everywhere you turn is just another like vista where you could take a a thousand photos it was just beautiful very like i said before steampunky a lot of like copper and like a lot of like blues and gold tones it was just a really beautiful part of the park a lot of neon light it was just neat it was neat it was really really neat the design of the design of the park is incredible yeah, you can't take anything away from the design of the park. Like, even looking at this map, 
it's just I feel like you have to post a photo of the match. It's so cool. It's so thoughtfully done. It's awesome. And uh, you know, it was really packed. It was Christmas. We didn't know certain things. Like we didn't know the walkthrough attractions would be shut down by four PM. We couldn't have anticipated that. I wish we could have fit more in and maybe one day we'll get to go, but this map right now is giving me mad Animal Crossing inspiration. I'm gonna oh, tell nice. you that right now. Yeah. Yeah. For all of you out there at home quarantining, trying to get through I'm going to need you to get Animal Crossing in front of us so we can get some of your fruit. Hell yeah, because we need them apples, we need them cherries. And I need to know how much your turnips are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do not need them pears, because those do not. do not look pretty on the trees. No, green on green? I don't think so. I don't think so, baby. So we wrapped up our day. Like uh, We're, again, limping our way home. We left early, obviously, being the huge Disney fan that I am, I'm a real sucker for the fireworks. But Lindsay was dying. At we, that point, I would like legit had fever. Yeah. It was cold. I we I kind of had to. I tried back, really hard. And I feel like your back just made it like that was the icing on the shit cake there. I literally fell apart. At yeah. And I said, you know what? I will definitely sacrifice the fireworks. Let's go. And also we knew that there was going to be hell getting home because uh, we didn't know the bus system because the uh, strike thing sort of hit us as we got to Paris, so we had not planned ahead. Well, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. There's not really like a bus right there. However, to add insult to injury, we did pass quite a convenient train entrance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that had the trains been running, we could have zipped home very easily. And where we were staying in Paris, it was right by a train entrance. It would have been great. But all of that was done because of the strike. So we, I mean, we, you say we left early. We It was still like 10 o'clock. Like the fireworks were, we were listening to the fireworks as we were trying to get a lift. Yeah. You know? Here the fireworks go on at like 9 or 9.30 because it's a residential area. And then the park's still open for like two or three hours. The fireworks are literally the last thing that happens at yeah. Disneyland Paris. I think it closed at 10. The fireworks went off at 10. Yeah, we put in an 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. day. So... Left early is like we started walking towards the parking lot at like 950 because I just couldn't do it. Anymore. Yeah, I actually I think we had planned on leaving at like eight, eight thirty somewhere around there. But we were like, let's do some shopping and buy some ornaments for some friends first. Ugh. And holy shit, I, it's called like shopping apocalypse in my notes to myself because I am such a weirdo that I keep track of every single ride I do every single time I go to Disneyland. I love that about you. Because I'm a it's freak. very cute. Oh, sure. One thing I don't, uh, not everyone, not everyone of your listeners may know, but all of our friends know is that we are huge uh, Christmas tree ornament collectors. And our ornaments are our scrapbook. And we have like a white elephant party every year with our friends. And one of the things we really look forward to is hanging up all of our ornaments. And it makes us so happy when our friends like ask them about them. It like makes me feel proud. And we've been collecting these ornaments together as a couple for like 15 years now. And we love when we go to a new place, like our favorite thing is to get an ornament from that city, from that place and write the date on it. And before this trip, during this trip, you and I have been talking about how we couldn't wait to buy Disneyland Paris ornaments. So excited. Hell yeah. It was going to be Christmas time at Disneyland Paris. Surely the ornaments are beautiful. There are no fucking ornaments in yeah, here. Yeah, not, not the case. There are uh, no ornaments. Not the case. However, we did end up getting, what, like 25 ornaments all said? 
throughout our travels. We literally packed an, we packed an extra suitcase for ornaments and we did fill it. So don't worry about us. Yeah, we are fucking lunatics. We are loaded with ornaments. However, we really did not make out with ornaments at Disneyland Paris at Christmas. Yeah, that was unfortunate. I find that to be crazy. It was a bummer. And it was such a nightmare to try to go shopping because it was just jam-packed. Nobody speaks the same language as us, and people were... Yeah, learn English. I think... France. I, I think that was one of the things that did get to me, is this has nothing to do with the park itself, but the people there, whether they be French or otherwise, uh, seem to have a homing beacon directly on us. So they had either two speeds. One, a snail's pace if they're in front of us, and they're also just wandering and directionless, so they don't know where they're going. <gasps> or if they're not directly in front of us, and they're coming the opposite direction, then they are directly coming, making a beeline towards us at a thousand miles an hour, and we are the ones who have to move out of the way. So it was just like a weird thing, and and nobody was like all that courteous or polite. I'm big on like getting out of the way of people or holding doors or just trying to be pre- you know, pre- have a presence of mind about the space that I take up because I'm not a small guy. I've tried to tell you to stop being nice, nice to people for years. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's true. But anyhow, so that was a problem with the shopping. And I, if I had to give the shopping a boysenberry rating, I'd Zero. say probably. I'd say one. We did find an ornament. Zero boysenberries. <laughs> Disneyland Paris on your ornaments. Are you kidding me? It's Christmas time. It's Paris. It's a magical, beautiful, romantic city. How do you not have ornaments? And by the way, in all of Paris, we had a hard time finding ornaments. Yeah. I get it. This is just, you know, I'm annoyed because I wanted ornaments. Not everybody travels someplace just so they can buy ornaments. But I did. I traveled to Paris and London just so I could have ornaments from Paris Because and we are trash people. Because we are we are American trash who should have gone to Euro Disney before yeah. it was Disneyland Paris. Because right. we are trash Before monsters. they classed it up. So fuck you for not having yeah. the ornaments I wanted. And also, we had such a great time. We had so a lovely much. time. It was look, beautiful. Look, we love you. In all seriousness, <laughs> just to like give my final thoughts, did we do it enough on this trip? No, absolutely not. And I think the fact that this place had had this awful reputation that people have really just talked shit about ever since its inception. I remember growing up thinking that this place was a literal shithole because <laughs> everything I heard about it was just some mean one mean thing after another. And so I my expectations were very low and I came here and man, I they were just truly blown away. Uh, the beauty of this place, the fun that I did have. I'm left wanting so much more because I know that this park has so much more to offer to me in terms of attractions and the walkthroughs and even just like little nooks and crannies where you could take a photo that I have that I missed somehow. Totally. Um, I wish I could have just had a whole day to do nothing but walk around and just soak in the atmosphere of this place because that's ultimately what Disney is about to me. Sure, it's about the rides. It's about the... Uh, the magic but to me like just being there is the important thing and just soaking in all the just imagination and soaking in all the intent from around you your surroundings everything about these places is particular and everything is made just so and it's all to trick your mind into thinking you're somewhere fantastical somewhere that you're not and this part succeeds so well in that because you truly are in a Disney bubble when you're in this place. You forget that you're in another country altogether. You just think that you're in Disneyland and it, it was wonderful. 
I agree. I have to agree. I think that it was amazing. And you talk about the atmosphere of Disney and that is something we love. And, you know, when you were saying that, I um, I was thinking of I have a friend who has a family member who um, works for Disney parks as a uh, trash can designer. Did I tell you that? No. Uh, Their entire job is to imagine and beautify trash cans. And I just thought that was so incredible that every detail about Disney is taken care of from the line to the street to the ride to the trash. You know, it's just a beautiful experience. And um, it is a place for us as two childless adults uh, can just be ourselves and goofy and be childlike. I think you're totally just allowed to be children at a Disney park and... Oh my God, you just reminded me of one of my favorite details about the entire trip. What? You uh, saying the word goofy reminded me. <gasps> when we went to yes. Walt Disney, what the fuck is it called? Walt, when we went to Walt Disney Studios Park, we passed a meet and greet with Goofy. The Goofy. The Goofy. And I was like, well, he's my boy. He's my fave. Goofy is your boy, for He's, sure. I try to get a picture with Goofy. We didn't do this because it was literally a 90-minute wait just to get a picture with him, but they don't call him Goofy. What do they call him, John? They call him Dingo for they some call reason. Him Dingo. They call him Dingo. I was I don't know why. I was so damn charmed by the fact that they call Goofy Dingo. You found it charming and I ruined your day because I constantly said the Dingo ate your Goofy. Yeah, I mean that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Not though. gonna lie. It's a pretty yeah. good, pretty good joke. That's solid. I win i give that joke four out of five boysenberries my dear hell yeah and i give it five out of five boysenberries. <laughs> oh imagine that imagine uh, that but yes i love the fact that i was i was so obsessed with the fact that they call him dingo that i was like what do they call everybody else obviously mickey is mickey yeah um, is mickey and minnie and dingo and dingo donald mickey minnie and dingo i'm pretty sure donald is just called donald too yeah for sure he's donald i'm sure pluto's probably called Pluto. something different no, everyone's the same except, except for Dingo. Goofy is Dingo. So weird. That's great. So um, that ultimately is why it's great. That's because why it's Because my favorite character, Goofy, is called Dingo. That's pretty great. And I would, I would love, I would love for us to go back. I will say that. I, I think we kind of, we kind of did everything wrong. I would love to go back, not the coldest time of the year. Uh, maybe like spring uh, or we could sort of enjoy being out more. I'd love to sort of like study the park a little bit more beforehand and fit in more activities. Uh, but honey, I would love to go with you. Oh, thanks. Because I love you and I, I can't remember the last time I've seen you. So happy. Yeah, Lindsay said at the end of the day, she was like, I was kind of miserable for a lot of that. I like and getting home was such a nightmare. It was terrible. We were almost grifted by a thousand different Uber and taxi drivers and we had to walk with Lindsay's hurt back and her running a fever. We had to walk half a mile to be able to get our our Uber after being several Ubers canceling on us. So it was and it was again like a hundred euro to get back to town. So that was a little miserable, but that was, you know, circumstances out of our control, out of Disney's control with the strike. But you said after that, you're like, the moment when you just looked so happy <laughs> when we were walking into that park, she was like, that made it all worth it. it and I thought that was very it. sweet. And it really, it really was like walking out of that park. I was like, I didn't want to go because I knew there was, we were leaving so much left on the table. But you know what? That's, that's it. That's, we're going to go back one day. Uh, obviously, I want to do a full Paris trip where we just stay in Paris. That would be great for sure. Uh, where we actually go outside of our single neighborhood. We should stay in one. Next time, we should stay in one of the resorts, one of the seven uh, hotels. I want to stay in the Disneyland Hotel, which is on top of the entrance of Disneyland. That shit looked cool. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it, baby. 
So we thought it was great. But what did you folks think? Is Disneyland Paris indeed a cultural Chernobyl? Or ooh la la, is it très bien? Let us know. Where can you let us know? Uh, uh, Facebook.com backslash HWIG podcast. You can also email us at HWIG podcast at gmail.com. And then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if that's yo thang. Also at HWIG podcast. Yeah, and I, uh, I just wanted to say something to all of our uh, quarantined homies and friends. Yeah, and go for it. People who are sick and people whose families and friends are sick is that, I don't know, I know this is a uh, this is an unprecedented time, not anything I thought that we would live through in our lifetime, and I feel uh, very lucky to be going through this with uh, you, John, and with our kitty cat, Harper, and, you know, I'm definitely feeling... For many of our friends uh, who are, you know, who are alone right now. And I'm thankful for uh, technology right now. I'm thankful that we can all kind of see each other and talk to each other all that we can. And I just hope that everybody is doing well and taking care of themselves. And, and uh, you know, it's it's going to be okay, guys. Yeah, I think so. If there's any kind of silver lining that can be found out of this whole mess that we're in right now it really is that uh i think this is bringing us all together not only as a species but individually we're all coming together a lot more we're talking to more friends we're zooming uh doing zoom meetings with friends and which are exhausting by the way and i do hope zoom collapses when this is all over. <laughs> but <laughs> but no it's it's really nice to see people and to see people supporting other people for everyone working so hard to make everyone else feel so comfortable. It's kind of comforting. And, and that's part of why we're bringing the podcast back yeah. is to add a little bit of comfort and joy back into your lives. So I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. And stay well and stay safe. And right now, sadly, stay home. Yep. Stay home. Don't go to Disneyland Paris anytime soon. But eventually everything will hopefully go back to fairly normal. And then you can get on that plane, go to Paris, and uh, you can let us know. If what, you barfed how you feel. Yeah, next you, to the Disneyland castle. And if you see a pile of puke next and to the castle, just know that's we, Lindsay. That was me, and we could be barf bros. Barf bros for life. But until that time comes, I'm John Bring. I'm Lindsay Calhoun Bring. And here's why it's great. The Disneyland Paris Resort became the number one tourist destination in Europe, more than twice the amount that visited the Eiffel Tower. Ratatouille reinforced that when customized to fit a culture, a park can develop into a national treasure.